Hello, and welcome back to Free Reeling It, a movie-watching podcast where two friends, and this time out a guest, watch a movie and talk about it. My name is Matthew. The other friend is Jesse. Jesse, how are you? Good. And... Jesse, we get to feel stuff today because we are joined by the wonderful Maddie Lewis. How are you, Maddie? I'm doing all right. Thank you for having me. I'm really glad that you just let me like recommend fucked up movies to you guys. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll I'll say this as someone who is like I've, I've never been to film school but i'm always interested in like new experience with regard to film um and stuff i haven't seen is is like usually something like oh i haven't seen it then i will definitely watch it and then when you said i think on one of our one of your appearances you said it was your favorite and i'm like okay that means i this know is, it's my it's second gonna... favorite movie but it is the best movie i've seen my favorite oh, okay. is a Robert Eggers, The Witch, but uh, oh, okay. I think The Devils is objectively a better movie. It's my second favorite. Okay, I I just I misremembered my fault, but I knew I know that like when you bring a film, um, I'm not going to see something I've seen before in any respect to that phrase. And The Devils from 1971, directed by Ken Russell, is no exception to that. So uh, I just want to say thank you for bringing this movie. And uh, just like Kill List, like this is kind of one of the best films I've ever seen. Um, it slaps. It's really good. I think I'm just going to I'm just going to let you just sort of take the reins a little bit, Maddie. Talk to us about the devils. Um, so Start wherever you like. Uh, we'll, we'll free jazz this. It's fine. We'll free. Okay. Uh, the Devils, it is based on a book by Aldous Huxley called The Devils of Ludon, which I have actually read. Uh, it took me like two years to read because it's extremely dense. Um, and this is the same. That he, Aldous Huxley is also the guy who wrote Brave New World, right? Yep. Same dude. Okay, just making sure. Yeah, so, and it's uh, an account of actual, an actual historical event. So, um, basically everything that happens in The Devils actually happened. Uh, it's very stylized. Of course. But as far as the events go, pretty much everything that happens in the movie actually did happen. Um, and uh, so it is set in 17th century France. And your, your main guy in this movie is Cardinal Arban Grandier, who is the, the priest of the town of Loudon, which is like a fortified town in France. After like the religious wars, the Catholics and Protestants in that area have actually been living relatively peacefully together, which was not really the case elsewhere. And uh, Cardinal Richelieu was you know, of um, Three Musketeers fame, was, was influencing the king at the time wanting to get the fortifications and Loudon taken down to kind of prevent a Protestant uprising. And Grandier is very against this because he sees that the town, like they've been, you know, kind of like living more or less peacefully together. So he's kind of a controversial figure because while he's a very popular figure, especially with like the average people in Loudon, uh, he's also, um, he's not a, he's not a very good priest. He's very fond of having sex with the wrong people's daughters. Uh, yeah. And uh, Grandier out here is, like pimping ain't easy. 
Oh yeah, dude. Like he absolute <laughs> like dude is a giga Chad. Like there is no other way to and he's played by Oliver Reed in this movie and uh like maybe the hottest anybody has ever looked with a curled mustache. Yeah. <laughs> Now, so I think you tweeted that, that Grandier is a Giga Chad. Can you explain this to me? So I think this is just a cultural thing. I might. Yeah, Matt, Matt's just really old. Yeah. Well. (laughs) I I mean that as just a jab. I don't mean you're really that old. Back in Uh, my day. Back in my day, Chads were part of elections that were. (laughs) (laughs) Back in my day, the only Chads we cared about were the hanging cut. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Chad is a term basically for like a really <clears throat> kind of like a studly guy um, who all the women want, who's cool and just like a badass. And okay. a Giga Chad is like the the highest form of that. Okay. Like, so yeah, Grandier is a Giga Chad. I think the Giga I kind of gathered, it was just the Chad. I was like, what is a Chad? <laughs> <laughs> I don't you're think less, that's a Pokemon thing. So. It is not. Sorry, sorry for pulling out my age card. But <laughs> <laughs> it's my senior citizen card for film. Um, okay, uh, uh, continue. So I that's kind of our I, setup. Okay, yeah, and what a what a setup. <laughs> um, Jesse, yes, you have seen this. You've only watched this once. Yes, ever. Yes. Oh, you know what? Before we go on, where did y'all watch it? Because I, there's like, oh I yeah. watched it on Shutter because that's yeah, like here. the easiest way to get to it. Okay. Same. So uh, a little bit more background kind of circling back about the film. Um, it's, uh, has, it's very controversial. It originally received an X rating in both the UK and the United States. It yeah. was banned in several countries. And there are still segments of the film that are like it's impossible to find a cut that includes these segments um or very very difficult yes and i'll get into that later there's there's two major parts that were um basically excised from the the film and it's very hard to find a cut i don't think i've seen a cut that has either of the the two kind of major controversial scenes um in their entirety uh so not even yeah, like so on the is, DVD a very, release. There is no DVD release. There's at least one because they, I, going through the facts. It's like a shitty, like Korean one or something. It's the, not like an official. There's one that has a documentary think. with that goes oh, behind the scenes. It, so, okay. That I may get, be new. I, I think it was a two, they said 2012 release after a ton of petitioning. Yeah. I mean, the um, Warner Brothers of all people like owns the rights to the movie. And I would like, I would like shank someone for a Criterion release, especially with the um, if they could get the the cut footage added back into it. But uh, they won't do it, and uh, instead they will put uh, so Space Jam two. Okay, Maddie's gonna drop this. Okay, okay, all right, good. Oh, I'm sorry, I've got to because this this is the cruelest thing. This is the cruelest thing. So in Space Jam 2, since that's a Warner Brothers film and Warner Brothers owns the rights to the devils and the crowd, there are scenes where you can see like uh, Sister Jean Desanges and like some of the other nuns are in 
the background in Space Jam 2 and it's just like taunting us. They're like, haha, we have the rights to this movie so we can we can put the psycho nuns from the devils in Space Jam 2, but you're not going to get like a good actual DVD or Blu-ray of the film. It's bullshit. I was so mad. Oh, okay. are so you mad as, too, Izzy? Yeah. Did you hear my cat? <laughs> well, I mean, lots, lots of anger. I, I, I mean, I did not watch this around my dog, so he's probably he's probably indifferent to it. But uh, that's understood. But yeah, I, I have a feeling. I have a feeling it might be years, but I have a feeling Criterion will put this out because it took them a lot. They put Sallow out a long time ago, like when they were first sort of getting traction, and then they it it went away for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and then they came back with like a better cut more behind the scenes stuff. So I have a feeling that there's probably folks at Criterion trying to work this. Oh, probably. Oh, I mean, there's like people who want it. I know uh, the film critic Mark Kermode has gone to bat for this movie several times. I think Guillermo del Toro actually, if I'm remembering correctly, has like said that like release the devils, you cowards. Yeah. Because um, it's, yeah. um, Basically, it's very controversial because uh, mostly the Catholic Church wasn't super happy about it uh, because it makes them look bad, Um, (laughs) even though everything in the movie is basically true. But, you know, (laughs) whoops, can't have that. Well, and then Uh, it's I mean, going on that, it's kind of funny that one of the lines is to to be absolved is is to seek forgiveness. (laughs) And and guess who doesn't want to (laughs) seek forgiveness? A lot of the time. Yeah, and to be perfectly honest, I think it's really kind of short-sighted because <laughs> I, I this is like this movie weirdly enough, and I guess I'll get into it a little more later, is like this movie made me want to be Catholic more than any other movie in like a really fucked up way. Um, just not because of any of the like the kind of but like I, I find that uh Grandier, despite being like just kind of a, a shit, is like an extremely inspiring figure in this film, which we can get into more later. But uh, yeah, it's um, release the devil, you cowards. I yeah, I I mean, so I think before we, I'm gonna I'm gonna I want to I want to let Jesse speak for a second about his thoughts on this, or however he would prefer to attack this this wild ride of a film. But I do want to say when I started watching it. And it's like probably about after the first, it's probably within the first 10 minutes. But when Richelieu looks at the king and says, I want to, I want to join you in birthing a new France where uh, I think religion and state are one. I think that's how, Mm -hmm. that's how he quote, that's how he said it, or it's very close to it. I'm like, yeah. So a movie. It's topical. a, A movie with a movie with that in its opening like 10 minutes can't be anything other than a horror movie. (laughs) Yeah. I know it's one of those where people are like, is it really a horror movie? And I'm like, yeah, it's a horror movie. I mean, it's not going to like, you know, it's, I think, I think some people are too quick to dismiss anything. That's not going to like make them jump and like shit themselves as like not a horror movie, but it's definitely like, it's a horror movie. Oh, 100%. Thematically, it's like terrifying and it's it like it's it's extreme. It's like it 
it gets you not so much on like a on a jump level it doesn't get you on a jump level it's not even like there's a couple scenes that are like kind of gross or gory but not not really that bad but the like weight of the thematic depth to it is it's pretty unsettling and honestly like I've read the book as well like I mentioned before and as I was reading this book I was just like oh, this is relevant to today. This is relevant to today. I hate that this is about something that happened in the 1600s and it's still relevant today. <laughs> yep. Yep. Jesse. Yeah, no, I, I was just going to say the issue with media criticism for the general public where horror has to be scary. But, I, and I, I think there's like directors like Jordan Peele who's kind of like pulling at this a lot more recently and there's probably a few other directors more in like the foreign market that i that i don't know where societal horror is just as scary as regular horror and um i think the devils plays more on the societal horror of things like even imdb lists it as like um history drama <laughs> like that's what they list it as they don't list it as a horror but it's very scary because this is things that happen to people in real life and the church had this much sway on public opinion and um ruining people's lives like this and not just that like i think about just in in our country there's like the salem witch trials like mass hysteria from the idea that someone could be evil even if they're like one of the purest do-gooders of all like i mean not saying not i'm not here saying that um uh oliver reed's or uh grandier is like the purest man but he like he's like i believe that this is the right way I believe that that this our God is the right God to do. I just think we're going about it a bit weird. Um, that those kind of ideas is uh, is something that is scary in just a societal sense. Um, and as we talked about, like it's still happening in, in different ways. Um, something though. First off, M- Maddie, do you have a? <laughs> this is not uh, related to the movie, really. But do you have a? a like a blu-ray player or like a, a thing to watch movies on that's that can play international discs um i have my ps4 i don't know if it can do international discs or not though well uh, this could you, could you might be able to search it later i'm send you a link for something um that's the two disc one that has the documentary and the unrated stuff but it's from the uk mm, yeah yeah so there's the, i just want to make sure you have that just in case the, the other thing though that i find super fascinating about this is how influential it is um as you said, like Guillermo del Toro talked, has talked about it, but like, the, have you ever seen the movie uh, Apostle? Uh, it's a it's a Netflix movie. Yeah, so, uh, like mm-hmm. that. Like Gareth Evans has talked about like this movie, and now that I know that and I've seen the movie, I'm like, oh yeah, Apostle's this. <laughs> this is what he he was going for. He was trying to make like a very actual- yeah, Apostle's a, Apostle is like folk horror inspired by it it has the devil's vibe for sure um it's someone trying to expose people's like typical way of life and then getting wrapped up in it and then getting pushed as the 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 invader the the um the devil the snake in the grass and it's it it, it leans more into like hey this is scary (laughs) than than the devil's is trying to the devil's is trying to just make you um uneasy the whole time i feel like yeah there's like a lot of stuff where i feel i see like shades of the devils and part of me is like am i having like boss baby effect here or are these people like actually like i am a huge berserk fan as we probably know um 
and there is an arc in Berserk where I'm like, this is just fucking the devils. Um, the the conviction arc. Uh, Matthew, you've yeah. read some of Berserk, right? Have you gotten I, to that arc so yet? I I don't think so. I am I'm I have the leather bound books. I'm I haven't started book five. I've read one through four. Okay, then the, yeah, you haven't gotten there yet. I'm trying to read this book about the universe, and I'm, it's a slow goer. So I think I might just take a break from that and start blasting through more Berserk because. Uh, because I know you're going to plug it later because the pod hand rules and I want to keep up. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we're going slow, so you shouldn't have a hard time keeping up. But yeah, there's an arc in in Berserk that is extremely the devils. It's got uh, the religious extremism, the plague, the just devil stuff. It's the best mm-hmm. arc in Berserk, too. So I, I don't know if like that is actually inspired by the devils or if... Um, they just have some commonalities, but it smacks. It's so good. Um, now, there's a I couple other I, things I could... I mean, I feel like there's probably some historical events in Japan that might have uh, that might have um, inspired that. Because when we watched uh, for the show The Silence, uh, mm, Martin yeah. Scorsese's... Like, there was, a, there was something like that in, in that... This came out before Silence, though. No, I, yeah, no, I understand that, but like, but the this. Oh the, yeah, there were the, the Silence is the not the devils, but like right. The, but like, I feel like there's or was that anti-Christian extremism, Jesse? No, I I, I think anti-Christian. You, I, I think yeah. there's a there's a mix of the idea of like this kind of ideology that has been there since like the dawn of faith and people who wield faith to have power. Um, okay is I, th- I, th- I think that's just honestly human nature in a way sure but i but i do think like you can say like history in itself but things like the devils and other movies that were made around this time um definitely influenced the creators i think that's something that we don't maybe discuss enough that um how well read and well watched a lot of uh mangaka are and so like if we're talking about just like from the berserk spam, but I think in general, like when you create the only way you can make, in, in my opinion, at least the only way you can really like craft something that people are like, this is, this is something special is like, you have to engage with the medium in every way you can. Um, because that's how your, your brain finds its place to make something amazing like that. So I, I think like every, like, I think Maddie is right. that like the devil's pie inspired berserk in some way. I, I, I mean, we can't know for sure, but like, I would not be any surprised if, uh, if you watched it at some point or just seen things from it at some point. Yeah. Some of the imagery is pretty dead on too, but uh, that's, this is kind of a tangent. It's just something that's interesting to me because I really like both of these things um so anyway kind of as that with the whole setup there's this this kind of political unrest and um while grandier is popular with uh a lot of the people in ludon he also has some enemies that he's made um kind of the first enemy that he has made there's uh i guess he's kind of a judge so grandier has been uh screwing this guy's daughter and um she becomes pregnant and he abandons her uh because he's (laughs) at this point in the movie not a very good guy um also she kind of sucks but like eh, it's still kind of a shitty thing to do yeah Um, uh and so he's kind of made an enemy there 
And then he actually, he falls in love with this other woman, uh, Madeline Debreu, mm-hmm. who, when he goes to give last rites to her mother who's dying of plague and there's like this whole plague scene is wild too because there's like a chemist and a surgeon who are there trying all these like batshit cures trying to cure her they've got like cups all over her and it's like giving her all these welts they try like having her stung with hornets um before before we go any further can i just say that this whole scene looks like two comedians in an improv scene just trying to make each other laugh oh yeah it does these two characters are like total chuckleheads the whole movie oh my goodness Um, they almost feel like they don't belong but they they kind of the buffoonery of it is almost more like upsetting (laughs) oh i and i was just watching it i'm like now just going into my own personal history here uh as as a radiologic technologist the first time i was in an or I was just as confused by what was going on there as I was here. I'm not trying to say the two are similar, but <laughs> like I was just as confused watching this as I was the first time I was doing x-rays in an OR being supervised by another, by an actual x-ray tech. So while I was a student and I was, what is going on here? I mean, and this is the first time I, this is the first time I'm like, wow, I'm glad this chicanerous priest just decided to step up and do the right thing oh but continue i apologize yes so there's this horrific scene with this woman dying of plague he gives her her last rites the chemist and the surgeon like get into kind of a spat with him and there's like a mummified crocodile they're like fighting with this mummified crocodile it's like oh yes a very stupid moment but like it kind of rocks But also, like, medicine at that time period was extremely dumb. Like, they didn't know what they were doing. And um, so you have... Oh, yeah, modern medicine medicine is standing on the shoulders of pure barbarism. Like, barbarism and grave robbing. That's that's what modern medicine stands on. Like, it's it's wild when you get into that history. So that's, like, the most, like, weird, like, kind of goofy scene, I think, in the whole movie. But he's... after, After this has gone through, he the daughter of the woman who dies of plague madeline he falls in love with her um and ends up marrying her like he he like does his own marriage ceremony because kind of his thing is he doesn't think that it's like he doesn't think that it's right or correct to forbid priests or like religious like clergy from marrying because it's just like it's like not natural basically to not have a companion and not have sex um sure for most people that uh it's very interesting because he in, in the movie he very much just kind of seems to like instantly flip a switch to being like kind of this faithful husband because after he falls in love with her he never really strays or anything but uh all that is all well and good except and the local ursuline convent um despite the fact that she's never seen him in person the abbess uh, sister jean des anges uh has become like sexually obsessed with him and uh this this causes problems it's, it uh, some might say it's the, the the whole the whole crux of the movie mm-hmm. yes. yeah repression's so kind of a she, thing huh repression's a very big thing and uh <laughs> so um the king has sent this baron uh jean de lobarmont to demolish the city walls uh grandier is like hey no you you got to get me a proclamation from the king first and is kind of like stalling trying to buy time um he ends up leaving 
And and this time, uh, Sister Jeanne uh, kind of gets in with Lobardemont, who has summoned this Inquisitor, uh, Father Barre. Um, and so she's like claiming that she's uh, that Grandier has basically bewitched her. He's he's uh, been like coming like be made her possessed. She's, he's been having sex with her and like at the night, all of these crazy things. And this is very convenient because uh, Grandier, with his like popularity and desire to keep the city walls up and protect the people in the city, has made himself an enemy of uh, Cardinal Richelieu, even though he's like kind of buddies with the king, like mm-hmm. or on better terms with the king. Um, not really buddies. And uh, Lobardmont and Barre recognize that because they're they're buddy buddy with Richelieu. Recognize that oh here's here's a way we can just we can get him with this. So uh, he has left to go seek an audience with the king about keeping the walls. And while this is going on, uh, Barre and Lobardmont start this uh, exorcism and like trial of of the nuns trying to uh, like exercise them of the demons because it's it's not enough for um sister sister jean to be like oh i'm possessed it kind of like starts spreading as like a mass hysteria sort of thing and it becomes almost like this kind of circus people like come and they like watch all of these like wild like antics that the nuns are getting up to and you you kind of know that they're like you know behaving badly in public stripping just doing all sorts of just like um just generally like depraved shit oh hell yeah and of course like everyone is like stoked to watch this because i mean it's the 16th or 17th century in france what else are you gonna do right (laughs) well see now before before we progress here i also think that the entire order is undercut the first time uh madeline de tries to join what is it, Sisters of the Angels? There, Sister Jean, scene... It's the Ursuline convent. Sister Jeanne Desanges, Jean of the Angels, and she's the abbess. The it's an Ursuline convent. Okay, so so well, Madeline. Yeah. So after shows... her mother dies, she does go and try to join the uh, join the convent, and Sister Jeanne's like, but she also says, she also says, do you know why we're here? And then you know, fresh face Madeline's like, because you believe in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. She's like, mm, let me tell you about these nuns. <laughs> Some of them are just too ugly to marry. Some of them are of nobility, but parents couldn't afford dowries. And meanwhile, yeah, and it, the one thing we've not historically, said about, Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. And but yeah, historically, thing, that was that was true. A lot of people, a lot of women who got sent to convents, they were nobility who were parents couldn't afford dowries or yeah, they were and, marriageable and, or they were troublesome or oh i'm i'm not kind of calling a, in a, i'm not calling into question that but i think it's funny <laughs> that a person who's supposed to oversee all this and sort of uphold you know to the public a certain set of values completely just undercuts it in the face of someone she's like nah it's pretty weird back here <laughs> but also she's like saying some of them are too ugly to marry and the one thing we've not said about sister john is she has a hump in her back and so she's kind of talking about herself in this and then we then a whole chain of i mean i feel like that's probably where this boulder begins 
rolling downhill, but it starts picking up momentum right where you're describing. Right. And this, uh, she's, Sister Jean, she's very, like, she's clearly, even though she never really says it to anyone, like, in the film, she's clearly very self-conscious about her kind of hunchback, about her, like, physical Mm -hmm. deformity. There's a scene where she's having this, um, having uh, a dream or like a kind of like an ecstatic vision um, of Grandier and walking on water, walking on water and coming towards her and like kind of embracing. And she is like dressed in this white dress. Her long red hair is down. It's Vanessa Redgrave, who was just like an absolute knockout. Yep. Um, she's really beautiful. And then at one point, the wind kind of starts to blow and it exposes the hunchback and the people who are gathered around just start laughing. And she's just screaming like, no, I'm beautiful. And it's like, it's really sad. It's really, really sad because mm-hmm. she is, but also she just has this deformity that's kind of like, like, I guess, like determined the course of her life for her. Like she clearly like didn't like you get the sense in the film that she she like the way she talks to Madeline she she doesn't actually really want to be there it's just kind of the best option for her with kind of the cards that she's been dealt um and she is another person like Grandier who probably should not be uh, expected to be um uh, to be uh to be chased and not to to have like a companionship because it's just it's not it She's too horny. It's like not in her nature. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't really mean that in a bad way because like she's normal, but there's no normal outlet for her because she's stuck in this convent and it sucks. And I think it's really interesting. Like the, so one thing we haven't really talked about is the, um, the set design in this movie, which in costume design, which kind of issues like strict, um, historical realism it doesn't really like it's very stylized but something uh the convent is really interesting because it looks like it's all this like white tile everywhere and it looks like maybe like a women's locker room in some sections and i actually i can't remember if i read this in like one something she wrote or if it was in a podcast but there's this film critic i really like who loves this movie um gretchen felker martin and she was talking, I think it was on a podcast somewhere that I listened to, was talking about how much the um, the interior of the convent looks like, to me, I my first thought was like women's locker room, but her first thought was like women's bathroom. Uh, yeah, that <laughs> was my thought tile. too. That, that was actually my thought too. I'm like, wow, all of, it's like all bathroom in there. <laughs> yeah, and it kind of, it kind of works. It's like, it's this very private place, but it's also not like, it's not like a restful place or like a pretty place. It's kind of gross. And the whole time you have this just like gross sense like of, of yeah, like a women's public toilet. You're like in, in closer proximity with people than you really want to be at times that are like not that exciting to be around other people. And it's just so it's it's like it has this vibe of being simultaneously sterile and dirty, which is just like an incredible design choice. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. Yeah this movie maddie this movie it's so fucking good it's really good (laughs) um anything you want to chime in with jess i've been i've been waiting until we got to the part of um uh, what is what is the name of the character now i'm trying to remember um father is it father bear barry Barry. Barry. can we talk about him for a second sure (laughs) um what a 
chew every piece of every senior in character actor. Oh, he's incredible. Uh, it's a uh, Michael Gothard is yeah. the actor. I've never seen him in anything else, I don't think, but he like he kills it here. But there's the scene, and it's probably the scene that mostly gave it, other than like the content, it's X rating, which is where he's trying to exercise the entire uh all of the nuns at once basically and um he's just shirtless and he looks like and, and this makes sense too for um a ken russell film who made uh tommy and like quadrophini and stuff like he looks like a rock star he looks like uh uh, uh he's got some, kind of a john lennon look with the yes, little like he, okay, circular good. glasses yeah but like with the hair and like just shirtless and just screaming it's like oh okay so you're the lead singer of the who right now like, like the and like all the women like just on him trying to like pull him down to their level because like there's a sense in this too where like they love being able to just go wild but they also know that their lives are in danger because these guys are serious they believe that they're possessed but in this scene in particular it feels like they don't care anymore they just like being wild and they like not having to adhere to the rules anymore um and it's just it's very it's very like this is a rock star after party that everybody's walking into and it's insane and it's crazy and it's wild and there's no there's no rules and i just yeah it's very clear that when you're watching the movie that the nuns are being kind of coerced into acting like this like there's there's one scene where they're basically like told like oh you got to admit you're possessed because otherwise we'll just execute you so they start really like hamming it up and you get the impression that they're just like actually like extremely stoked to just have an excuse to behave badly (laughs) um and, and so I just I, like that scene in particular is the chaos of that scene is so orderly in a lot of ways, but it's also the only time in the movie that I felt my stomach turn a bit because it's so chaotic and it's so um, in your face with its chaos. I was like, man, I hope we don't stay here much longer because I'm getting, I'm, I'm wearing out just because like, like I'm watching them wear out. Like there's, there's a few scenes too, where the nuns are like laying down. <laughs> like you're like, oh, the actresses just really needed to catch their breath right now because they've been going at a hundred percent for who knows how long trying to film this scene. Yeah. And um, there is uh, in these scenes, it should be mentioned. There's a lot of nudity. All of these nuns are very stacked like yes. Ken Russell was not just like, oh, I'm just gonna like pick some average looking biddies. Like, nope. He got a bunch of really hot women to do this, which uh, on one hand, like props to him. On the other hand, I'm like, I think it might have been a little bit more effective if like some of the nuns actually looked like nuns and not like models and habits. And maybe maybe I just I haven't seen enough movies to justify this, but I do like that it seemed like he he wanted the nudity in there but he wasn't like it has to be the focus of any scene like there's never a moment where i'm like oh he's just letting the camera linger on this no like it's always chaotic and it's the nudity itself is never in focus but it's there to add the sense of the chaos and the sense of the unruliness of everything that's happening yeah it's you're not getting like lingering shots on like jiggling titties or ass but there are jiggling titties or ass it just is kind of like there's just so much going on that you can't focus on just that. Um, which 
Like I said, I, I have mixed feelings about it because on one hand, like, I like a good nunsploitation film. I am down with stacked nuns. That That's good to me. Um, but on the other hand, I do think it might have worked a little bit in the movie's favor to have cast a little bit more normal looking people um, and instead I, of all, like, <laughs> clearly models. And I think that's like, I, and I, I don't know if I brought this up to you, to you, Matthew, like, just talking about it. But I think my one issue and in this in this comes in the movie being made in 1971 is your main antagonist is uh, a nun with a hunchback and like i know part of the point is like she is she's been told many times that she is unwantable and mm-hmm. no one will want her etc cetera, etc cetera. but it is a sense of like do you have to be deformed to be this evil <laughs> yeah she actually was in real life that wasn't oh. made up for the movie. Oh, well, I'm glad. I'm, I'm definitely glad that they didn't just like make someone do that. No, no, that was that. That is that is like I said. Most of this movie is actually pretty well historically factual. Um, it's just very stylized, and actually, like the um, if you read the book, The Devils of Ludan, uh, the exorcisms are and like the uh, the description of the possessions are actually like much wilder than what's in the movie like weird like bodily like distortions and like um that kind of thing like that shouldn't actually be physically possible like that was like described uh so they actually like in a sense they toned that down they didn't go full like um like exorcist contortion stuff yeah in the movie even though that kind of thing was like recorded um Oh, the other thing that is that is also like gross but true, not made up for the movie. So one of the like really kind of most awful scenes and probably one of the reasons that it there are many reasons that this, this must have gotten an X rated but rating, but probably one of them is uh they have a scene where he's got like holy water and this like big ass metal syringe kind of thing. Yep. Yep, the human uh, baster. Yep. Uh, that's an enema. That's not. That's not vaginal. Um, no, I know. I, I. I know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, which is what I thought when I first saw the movie, and then I got to when they talked about it in the book, and I was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> and like, it's oh. all very degrading, but like somehow that's even more degrading. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's really upsetting because you get the impression that like the, like the, the the people who are like doing these exorcisms are also like getting off on it, on being able to violate these women and like have an excuse to do it. And it's just like, everyone just wants to use this exorcism as an excuse to behave badly and like to Mm -hmm. do the wrong thing for quote, the right reason. And I think that's like probably like the most harrowing part of the movie for me is just seeing how many people are like just taking taking excuses to uh to behave really really heinously under the guise of like religious piety and like doing the correct thing and that's to me that's where like the movie is really horrible like a really a horror movie it's not so much in any of the visuals or like you know it doesn't have a spooky like you know violence sting soundtrack or anything like that it's it's just in that idea that like all of these people who are supposed to be good people, they're supposed to be pious people, just like given given the slightest provocation, they will use it just to like 
do absolutely like horrible depraved stuff and to hurt each other and to accuse innocent people for petty reasons yeah it, it it's it's the it, and it the end of the movie is i think the the top horror for me because he just doesn't give it's the scene where they're torturing um when they're when they're torturing uh sorry my brain Grandier, thank Grandier. you. And and they're based they're, they're breaking his legs basically with a hammer, uh, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. And so uh, you want to hear about how that actually happens because they don't really show it in the movie, but they talk about it at length in the book. Yeah, so what it, it is, you want to hear this is really it's very terrible. So what they did is they had like I think it was called like a boot or something, but they would put two planks of wood on opposite sides, like kind of squeeze the leg between the two planks of wood. And then they would have like slats of wood, like uh, perpendicular and like inserted between those and come down on the hammer. So like the kind of slats of wood, it wasn't the hammer that's breaking the leg. It's the, the wood going into the um, into the leg from the force of the hammer. So they had several of those and that just basically pulverized his legs like there's the fact that the the fact that he actually managed to live through that honestly is pretty impressive because it's a very brutal form of torture yeah, there there are there are several main arteries going through there that were punctured <laughs> it, it, it goes to the the the, the the religion to it um like this as, as maddie said this is historical so it's like not um narratively really playing on it but i think uh Unironically, they they were executing Grandier in a very similar way as a crucifixion because the point of nailing someone's feet to uh, a cross is so they couldn't lift themselves to breathe. And so breaking the legs would do very similar things if you're just hanging them there. Um, and so, like, the idea of let just tying Grandier to a wooden plank and letting him just burn away. It's just watching that. I was like, do you not realize the irony of what you're doing here? And then, at, then at the very end too, where he's just like, your city's going to be destroyed now because I am gone. And they're like, nah, it's fine. And then soon as he's basically gone, the city just explodes outwards and everybody starts screaming. It's just, it's, it's just very reminiscent of the, the biblical end of Christ of like, I die, the temple will destroy too. And they're like, no, it's be fine. And, the, and through the biblical text, the day he dies, the temple is destroyed. So it's just, very, it's very, very just striking to me, especially as someone who grew up in an insanely religious household. Yeah, I think that that's, there's definitely a lot of that. And I think the most like emotionally impacting scene for me in the movie actually it happens before that when he's kind of been given he's given this like sham trial like they're gonna convict him they're gonna so he you know denies that he's guilty of sorcery witchcraft any of these things that they say that he's guilty of and has this this whole kind of beautiful speech about how you know he's been guilty of like he's not been a good man um he's been guilty of basically being you know, a, a horny old goat and all of this kind of like things that are unique to humans, but he's also talking about, or not unique, not, but you know, they're, they're, it's just like everyone kind of has these, these things. And he's talking about how you know, he's guilty of like, he's made political enemies and that's why they want to, you know, they want to 
you know, get away with him. It's not because they, this is all just convenient. They, they, they know if they get rid of him, they can get rid of the walls and they can kind of like oppress the people as we've done that way. And I thought that that whole scene is really affecting and the whole, like you see that he's, he's really changed. Like he actually really wants to be a better person and wants to do the right thing and wants to protect the town and wants to be a good husband to Madeline and all of this. And they're just not letting him have the chance to do it. And it's so frustrating because you're like you're killing this guy who like is on the verge of becoming a like he's been kind of a shit person most of his life but he's on the verge of becoming a great person and you're gonna snuff that out yeah i think uh the scene that hit me the hardest was during the uh the exorcism of the crowd when one of the a design choice that I noticed, and I don't know how consistent this is, because I'm just I noticed it like after the fact, and I didn't didn't really go have time to go back and check my work here. But everybody who is nobility but not in service is always made up or masked up. It seems like, um, like at the beginning where everyone's watching uh, the king do the birth of Venus, like there's all those. It, it means kind of like it's kind of like eyes wide shut in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and then I can see that. And then uh, and then there's uh, the the noble woman. I don't remember her name that Grandier impregnates. Uh, uh, Philippe Trinquant. Yes. And then yeah. and then there's uh, Duke Henri de Conde, which is actually King Louis, I think, or King Louis. <laughs> My bad. Yeah, um, Louis. But he shows up holding a gold mask to his face. Yeah. And, but this, this scene where he has, where he is pure, he is like clearly highest strata of nobility in, in the area. And he has, I think two or three women just with him. And he's just pointing out everybody around going, Oh, don't touch them. Just, 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 just admire, take this all in. Just, just regard it. And then he goes, I have something that might be of service, Father Barre. A relic from from the king that is, I think, what is it? The blood of Christ is what he says. Yeah. And he he hands him a box. And then everybody in the area acts like they are cured. And then he's like, let's open the box. And there's nothing in it. Yeah, and that, like, that should have been it. That should have been the moment where, like, they're like, oh, this is all a sham. Like, this is this is fake. This is bullshit. Um, every- but they're just, like, so determined to get their guy that they just keep rolling on with it. And, yeah, everybody just starts laughing at this point. Uh, Jean laughs. The entire nuns doing whatever debaucherous things they've been doing. Some of them have been barking at this man. <laughs> Uh, the crowd is laughing. The only person in in the room still committed to the bit, and this may be this this may be there may be one other person. I forget the the person who shows up to um, the sister the uh, Ursuline convent instead of Grandier. I think it's Father. Uh, it's uh, Mignon, Father Mignon. Yeah, yeah. Father Mignon and Father Barry are like they look like they have just been embarrassed but are going to maintain a brave face in the face of this adversity that they have that everything has just been pulled out from under them and they just continue with the bit and i was like oh x-rating this that moment might not be the x-rating but i think that moment is the one where everybody's like 
we might have gone too far. And yeah. I could just see I could just see Ken Russell just on just like behind it going, I did it. <laughs> like this is this is the moment I've been building for. And I both and I think maybe well actually I'm not gonna I'm not gonna start that yet, but I, I both love and hate that. And I can't really unpack either <laughs> emotion yet with regard to that moment. Uh, but like, I think that was the moment where I'm like, oh, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Yeah, it's um, that that scene really just like kind of drives it drives it in that it's all it's all a farce. It's all for show. It's all because people just wanted the excuse to act like complete monsters and we're going to take any excuse that they could. And you know this this falsehood is revealed and it does mm. not make a lick of difference yeah that that is a uh, i like the silence th- here <laughs> <laughs> because it's it, i think it's very clear uh that all of us watching this movie that had stuff pulled out of us that we were not expecting except for maybe you maddie because you had seen this before <laughs> and you, you sort of yeah. knew you sort of knew what you had going yeah I, I knew i knew going into it but i i do think like every time that i watch this movie like something else ends up striking me and it was definitely the trial this time and like just the like how like how oh, brave man. Oh, baby. How brave Grandier <laughs> is, even though he knows that he's screwed and he knows it's all a farce, but he's just like, has such conviction and it's really touching. And it's like, like, I'm like, damn, like, so this guy actually is like, he wants to, to help people and to protect people and for everyone in Ludon to be able to live like peacefully with each other and not have to worry about the threat of oppression and like he's basically a hero and it's just so this is like an actual like almost good christian conversion story because he's just like kind of a shitty guy at first and he just is ends up being changed by it and I'm, and I, like when i said it, like this is like the most religious i've ever felt is watching a movie is like that like like this is like kind of like faith being used in a good way is is how it changes yeah um grandier uh faith and like i think faith and and let's give madeline some credit uh the love of a good woman but it's it's really touching and i i think that it's a shame that this movie gets kind of just like the only way that people end up a lot of times talking about it is how it's you know, so shocking and whatever, and it is, but I don't think it would be as as powerful as it was unless it was a little shocking as well. And it's, I don't know, it's just like such a bummer that like they, they cut a lot of stuff from it and they like won't really release it. And it's, I guess we could talk about what they cut because there's like a couple scenes that were, were kind of cut or, um, before you go there significantly altered yeah before you go there, i just wanted to i, I actually wanted to say uh, i wanted to like sort of dovetail on your love of a good woman with regard to madeline i feel like this is she's the first person to not necessarily challenge grandier but i think she's the first person that that he's had discussed matters of faith on his level because the yeah because while you, i mean the only time you really see the only other time you see him talking with a woman alone is 
at the beginning with um you're gonna have to repeat her name because i've forgotten it already uh but and he all he's doing is teaching her latin and she's complaining that she hates latin and he's like well your father's paying your father's paying me to teach you so we best not disappoint him and and i think that the, the person who sort of showed his faith to him in a way that is out of out of love for him as well as love for the faith i think we could say that about madeline to a degree yeah i mean she she goes to the convent after her mother dies earnestly wanting to join the convent mm -hmm. so i think like she is a faithful person sure and but he she shows that to grandier in a way that like he might have been jaded with because I'll bet you what, what I mean, I, I kind of feel like what leads someone to the faith when they're young, because I'm assuming that's when Grandier started in on his path in the faith. There's a, there's a, this is what you were taught coupled with a, coupled with a naivete. And then you probably proceed through the hierarchy of the faith and you see some things. I mean, I think it's probably like any career where after a certain point you, you start to get jaded. You might need it. You might need a reinvigoration of that working in a hospital and this are not the same thing, but I see plenty of jaded coworkers every day at my job where I'll bet you they have a day where they have the right interaction. All of a sudden, they're looking at their career a little bit differently for a time. Um, and Madeline seems to provide that for Grandier in a way that makes him uh, more on fire for the faith. And he's definitely his most pious after that uh, interact after that like conversation with her at the table. And I don't remember if that's pre or post marriage. I think it might be pre. It's beforehand, I, but I think that might kind of have been what like showed him that he wasn't just like, you know, kind of basically attracted to her like he was with other, like, you know, the other women he's, you know, kind of hit and quit basically. Yeah, but he's exactly. actually like interested on her on a personal level, like as a human being, as uh, like, he, like he cares about her for her personal qualities for her character for her faith not just because you know she's she's kind of cute and like a fun distraction and he's yeah. horny um which and i think too because he has like you know this treatise about how it's like not you know not not correct to not allow the clergy to marry um and i think you get the impression that he kind of like it was just like a justification justification at first he just wanted to like fuck around but then you like see like see, like i think he actually kind of you know like he believes it it's not right it's 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 not just anymore just like an excuse to you know kind of screw around and i think that I don't know. You, you could say maybe it's a little bit like pious and cheesy that it's kind of like the love of a good woman and that he's kind of like a reformed rake kind of character. Sure. But I, I, I think it adds like a, an interesting little like texture to the story. Um, and I, I kind of like that, like the relationship between um, Grandier and Madeline is, is very much like she is kind of like a redemptive figure for him and he is kind of a corrupting figure for her and they kind of meet in the middle on this very human ground yeah. and i like that a lot um and uh, madeline is too good for this world she does not deserve yeah uh, well, 100 100 is uh foisted upon her 
No, she does not. And I don't, I, I don't, I don't think it's pious or cheesy, but, and I don't know. I guess some people might. I don't either because I think that kind of like, I like redemptive love stories. I think they're very touching. Um, I can see the snarky film nerd going, oh, man falls in love with woman, finds God. You know, I, I can see, I can see that conversation, but I also see, I, and I, and I also think that. I can see how it could be done poorly too, because I have seen it done poorly, but I think it's done really well here because I think having the like kind of theological and intellectual discussions between the two characters and it's not just like oh she pretty like they're they actually do have a chemistry that's not just physical they do seem to intellectually and emotionally get along really well with each other um which i think makes it work like like i under like you watch these scenes and like you understand why Grandier cares about Madeline and you understand why Madeline cares about Grandier like just the way they're acted the way they're filmed the kind of discussions they have there's more depth to it it's not just like I saw a cute girl who was very pure and now I'm good pure girl thick must <laughs> must have pure girl <laughs> uh, well so do we want to move to final thoughts well, I think I think Maddie wants to talk about the the deleted. The, uh, the, oh yes, the I know you you are correct, and I and I stepped into that. I apologize. Thank you for thank you for reminding me, Jesse. Because Go ahead. I I have I have mixed feelings on the cut scenes because they're I I know um, Russell was really bummed that they were cut and said it like actually like adversely affected the story, but the seeds of torture were not gotten rid of, but they were kind of like truncated um cut down for time uh and that that i think is probably like okay that one i don't think really takes away too much yeah because i don't know i i'm not like i'm not usually one who's like i gotta see all the gore i think what they have like just seeing his reactions to the torture that he's going through is almost like more harrowing than seeing the torture itself and i don't think the point on that one needed to be belabored the other scene, the big one that was removed is kind of during the, um, the two and a half minute sequence and uh, kind of during one of the like nun orgies, the nuns like take down a statue of Christ and are like defiling it. And uh, it includes Father Mignon like looking down and like jerking it. And I actually think I've seen the jerking it part, but I didn't in one of the cuts that I've seen of this but I've never seen the full like defiling of the statue of Christ scene. Um, that one I think actually should have been in there because it would, I, I mean, you get a pretty good idea just from what is in even the cut that's on shutter, the level of kind of depravity, but I think it actually could go a little bit harder. And I, that scene, I'm kind of bummed that they cut out. Um, then the last one is so after Grandier is burnt at the stake. Um, the Baron comes and like visits uh, Sister Jeanne and she's kind of been locked up because she's lost her mind. She's like, keeps saying like, oh, he was innocent, he was innocent. And they're like, uh, no, he wasn't. You've just gone crazy. Um, but she's like kind of, you know, driven mad with guilt. So he like tosses her the charred femur of Grandier and yeah. it kind of cuts in the um souvenir in the um yeah 
it cuts out in the shutter, the cut that's on shutter. But uh, and this scene I have not seen in any cut. So is she um, masturbates with it. Whoa. Yeah. And uh, that that scene not in there. Um, and I, I kind of think that it should have been kept in there just because i think again it like shows kind of this like the kind of depraved and base state that they've been brought down to but also like kind of the depths of her like obsession it just i don't know it's it's wild i can see why it was cut but uh i also think that it's kind of sucks that it was cut yeah, I'm kind of with you on that one. Yeah, it's one of those things where <clears throat> the cutscenes, I think, only kind of enhance the depravity of what's happening, and it doesn't really, I think, take away from anything. I think it, I think it does only enhance. Yeah, and it's like, you know, there's some movies that are, like, notoriously cut that I'm like, you know what, I don't really feel like all that much and this is <laughs> maybe a controversial opinion but the other movie the one movie i can think of that i really like that people are like release the uncut version of is uh event horizon with the like blood orgy on the spaceship log was originally much longer and people are like oh they need to release that and i'm like i don't actually think it would add that much but yeah. i think the cut scenes in this film would add a lot more I think um, uh, Warner Brothers should stop being cowards and release as complete a cut as is possible with the footage that exists. Let Criterion do it. They'll they'll package it with like historical context and essays, and it'll be wonderful. It's very fascinating to read about Ken Russell making this film because he said at the time while he was making it that he wasn't thinking that he was making an anti-Catholic movie because he was very Catholic at the time. But it seems mm -hmm. that after he finished making it, he was done being Catholic. <laughs> um, so I, oh. I, I find that very fascinating. And it's attributed to, like, because he, he made a lot of stuff, but it's attributed that he, this is the only political movie that he made. Because he, he even said himself that it was political. It was about the, um, the current, basically the current, like, political parties the current like empower parties just wiping over the truth is really what he was going for um which is something that we're dealing with like right now um and so it's very it's very fascinating to see that this is the only one and at the same time he's like oh yeah no my faith is fine and he's, and he's like nah, maybe i'm not catholic anymore uh i just find it super fascinating yeah it, it is very interesting i would love to you know, I, I would love more like detail on the the making of this film because it seems like it must have been really wild. Um, like I know it probably. Yeah, it's. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I know I know that such a document probably doesn't exist, but there's um, there's a really good uh, movie by Werner Herzog called Fitzcarraldo. But there's a documentary of it uh, that was actually the documentary of it was released 
on Criterion, I believe. I think it's called Hearts of Darkness. Uh, no, that's not it. You tell um, me there was a Werner Herzog documentary about a movie you made? No, it's a documentary about a Werner Herzog movie, but it's it's about Fitzcarraldo and the making of it. I would love a similar document to for this movie, but I highly doubt it exists. Uh, I I think that well, the, this this is one of those this is one of those films that sort of screams for that. I know there is a documentary for this film. I just don't know how in depth it goes. Yeah. No, it's called The Burden of Dreams. It was put out in 1982. It's directed by Les Blank. And I believe there's a short film on that called Werner Herzog Eats His Shoe, which is a whole other story. So that, so I think now we can go into final thoughts. So meh, all around? Uh, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. Yeah. I, I, hey, I liked it more than Kill List. I also like it more than Kill List, but uh, um, Kill List is still up there. No, no, no. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching this. Um, I, and I think uh, for it being two hours long, it does not feel very long at all. Um, it kind of feels like there could be more <laughs> spent in this movie. I mean, I know there's a longer cut, but not even just like the scenes that are extra. I think I think the, the, the biggest downfall of this movie, and it's maybe because they don't want us to get too, too attached, is there's not enough time of grind here i think um because there's a whole about 30 maybe maybe even close to 40 minutes where he's just not in the movie <laughs> um and I, and I missed him a lot during that time yeah um oliver reed just has like such an incredible presence in the movie and uh you do miss him when he's not on screen i mean he's, he even like has an incredible presence when he's in the gladiator I think that was like the last movie he was in. Yeah, and I and I and I realized that was him when I was watching. I was like, "Oh, that's him. He's really good at the Gladiator." Wait, he's in like he's in. Uh, he's the, the he's Joaquin the guy that, Phoenix Russell. Crow yeah, yeah, he's Gladiator? the guy that like, takes care of Russell Crowe after he becomes the after he gets like stabbed and hurt. Oh, he's the old guy. Too long since I've seen Gladiator. <laughs> old guy from the island. You know, I've never seen all of Gladiator. I tried watching it and couldn't get into it. That's fair. It's, it's, well, it, it is a Russell Crowe, uh, Joaquin Phoenix movie. Those aren't all necessarily easy movies to watch. Well, here's a funny um, one. I... M- Michael Gothard was in a James Bond film. For your eyes only. Huh. A Roger Moore Bond huh. film. <laughs> that was the only thing of his that I recognized when I looked. Yeah, but anyway, Vanessa continue. Redgrave's been in quite a lot, and she's really great. Yes. She- She's in one of my favorite movies of all time, Blow Up by Michelangelo Antonioni. But uh, you were about to go into your final thought, Maddie, and I kind of stepped on you about Michael Gothard. I apologize. Um, <clears throat> no, it is um, probably the best movie I've ever seen, and everyone should see it. And anyone who gets offended is a big weenie baby <laughs> because it's incredible. Well, actually, I, I would think. I would think there's a certain correctness in getting offended if you're going to if if you're going to if you're going to complete the conversation because I I mean in my younger more faithful years I probably would have saw this and just been way more horrified than I was uh, over the past two weeks watching it but 
I think I would have, I think I would have continued and tried to at least get the entire message rather than, you know, stop midway through because I am, you know, so offended. I feel like if you are, if you, if you see the offense and run, that makes you a weedy baby for sure. But I can see a lot of people, I can see a lot of people moping out of this movie quickly and and the people who do know about it quickly are weenie babies. Weenie babies, absolutely. Um, it's it's just a really powerful movie, and it's a really beautiful movie for as like kind of depraved and harsh and strange as it can be. And mm-hmm. like, it's kind of like if I had to say like what is one movie that I think everybody should see before they die, it's probably The Devils. I'm glad I have seen it. Yeah, I thought I'd make up for making you guys watch uh, Brimstone and Treacle. <laughs> and oh, like, no, Brimstone and Treacle. Brimstone and Treacle, like... See, here's here's what I love. That's a bad, about, good movie. Here's what I love about what I actually happens. do like Brimstone and Treacle quite a bit, but this when is you, just miles, miles better. <laughs> when you come here, Maddie, I know a couple of things. I know that I'm, I'm not going to get you know a movie to sit back relax eat some popcorn and just have a time i'm going to get a film that is going to grab me by my shirt collar say some things to me force an interaction and i'm i may not be at the i'm at the end of it and you've been really consistent with this i may not feel the best but i never regret the experience so Thank you for bringing every film that you've brought here to have these conversations. And I long may it continue. That's my thought on the whole thing. Oh, I've got like a running list of stuff I want to talk to you guys about. So fuck uh, me hopefully up, I can, fuck Hopefully me I up. can continue bringing the energy. Um, um, I, I feel yeah, like next, I just time, want... next time we have you on, maybe we need to watch uh, Possession. Oh yeah, I've actually never seen it. I really need to. I haven't either, but it keeps on coming up to my feed. Is like, hey, this movie. You, you like weird, bad, weird old movies that are messed up. You should watch Possession. It does look pretty interesting. And Sam Neill is real young in that. It's is it like Samuel I've and seen... Isabella Johnny? Why do I feel like I've seen this? I, you might, you might have, because it might have been more available. It seems like one of those movies that's just hard to find now. Yeah, it's Sam Neill and Isabella Johnny. That looks fun. Yeah, I think I feel like I feel like we'll do that at some point. I just think I I, I like a I like a good feel bad movie, and I'm just glad to to keep bringing the hits. I can I keep I mean and see and the thing is like after this movie, I think of the films that you've brought, I felt the least bad after this one. No, this one actually has some kind of a, it has kind of a redemptive value, even if it's like kind of in vain at the end. Like there's something heroic about Grandier's character, mm-hmm. uh, whereas Kill List and uh, Brimstone and Treacle are just grimy, gross, and there's really nothing redemptive or good or um, yeah. anything like that in any of them. But at least Brimstone and Treacle had sting, right? Yeah. True. <laughs> um, we're going a little long on the episode, so let's just do a quick round of what we've been watching. Matthew, I'll let you go first. Uh, so 
I don't remember if I said this last episode, but I started watching the show Barry. I don't know if you did or not. I can't remember either. Uh, it is Bill Hader from Saturday Night Live. He is a hitman who decides he's going to be an actor. Um, that's the premise. That's really all I'm going to say about it. I like this show a whole lot. Uh, and then I have brought Reba into the Letter Kenny fold, and recently a concert film was re- was re released after a very long time. Prince and the Revolution Live. I've watched that a couple of times since our last episode. If you like, if you like watching a concert, a good concert film in general, this is probably one of the best you may see. So Prince and the Revolution Live. It's right after the purple, right after Purple Rain was released. It's wonderful. Maddie, have you watched anything recently that you would like to recommend to everybody listening? God, I haven't really watched much recently other than rewatching The Devils, to be perfectly honest. Um, so what I'm hearing is yeah, that I don't know. Like, watch The Devils. Yeah, just watch The Devils. Whatever. It's on <laughs> Shudder. Like, it's great. You'll have a good time. Um, it'll give you some stuff to think about. And uh, you, you may feel really bad or you may feel really good after watching it. And... Um, the next time you watch it, because you should watch it more than once, you you may feel the opposite way. Yeah, I haven't really been watching. I, I've been reading more than watching stuff. And for me, I'm looking forward to season three of The Boys, though. That is that is the start. Um, I've heard people tell me I need to watch that, but like, it's a lot. Yeah, watch at your own pace. It's fun. Um, it's very mean and grimy, but it's very fun. Mean. Um. I mean, it's Carl Urban being the most Carl Urban he's ever been allowed to be, which is very fun. Okay. Um, I watched uh, two classics that I will just briefly talk about. I watched On the Waterfront, which is a very, very good movie about uh, speaking up kind of like your truth. Um, And I watched The Godfather, which I didn't realize was three hours long, and it's a very long movie, and I I enjoyed it, and it's all about, who knew knew all these movies are about being toxic males? Um, (laughs) uh, So that's why I've been watching. You knew it was a gangster movie going in, right? I didn't, no, I knew that part. (laughs) I just didn't, I I didn't really realize how much it was about a father being like, don't be like me, son, and the son being like, I'm going to be just like you, dad. It's literally the plot of that Harry Chapin Carpenter song, Cats in the Cradle. Yep. Um, one day I'll watch the three and a half hours sequel. Um, but not Wait, it's not Harry Chapin Carpenter. It's just Harry Chapin. I apologize. Um, Matt, uh, Matthew, I'll let you do, start the, the wrap-up here. Well, uh, Maddie... Thank you for joining us. Thank you for bringing us the wonderful film, The Devils. Thank you for having me. Where can the folks find you? Uh, you can find me at Twitter. Uh, my username is at Devil's Doorbell underscore. I also have a little bit of media criticism at bloodknife.com and should have another article coming up sometime later this month from them for their uh, video game issue actually and uh i have a podcast that i is kind of on hiatus that'll hopefully be coming back soon we've done some recording called the pod hand it is about the late kentaro mura's berserk i host that with my friends k and jr uh and uh definitely if you if you like berserk and stuff like berserk check it out
I will say this. Y'all making me want to read a whole bunch of things. Like, not, I don't want to say other than Berserk, but like on top of Berserk. <laughs> like, I've, I've been, I've been eyeing up that, I've been eyeing up the Fist of the North Star now. And I, I. Oh, it's, I, it's, uh, Fist of the North Star something else. Let me tell you. Um, I, I, I fully blame y'all and I thank you all at the same time because. I was uh, very drunk recording that episode. You should know. <laughs> fine. That's, but it was doesn't change it, for the, uh, doesn't change the anything about it for me. <laughs> uh, Jesse. Yes. So we've plugged Maddie and we have to talk about what we're going to do next. Yes. Yes. I do believe next time out we have a guest. Yes, we do. Who is it? Uh, it is Matt Storm. Uh, you have probably seen Matt just on our personal feeds and what we retweet Matt all the time. Uh, yes. We're going to be talking with Matt about the, is it 1999 film, The Matrix? Yes. I was like, is it 1999 or is it 2000? I mean, to bring up someone I mentioned earlier, 2000-0-0, party over, oops, at a time. It's 1999. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, so we're talking about that in two weeks. Um, and uh, yeah. Where can we find you? Uh, you find me at Sleeper of the Bed. That's basically all I'm doing at the moment. I'm working on other stuff, but that's that's all in progress. Cool. So you can find the show on Twitter at Free Reeling It. You can email the show with your thoughts or if you want us to watch something at freereelingit at gmail.com. Our theme song is done by my buddy Jason. Uh, you can find him on Instagram at Dead Eye Productions. It's Dead Eye Productions, Dead Eye, the letter I not spelled out. Productions, all one word, all lowercase. You can find his album, which our theme song is on. It's called Bloodshed Kingdom. It is available everywhere. It's on Spotify. It's on Bandcamp. Uh, and you can also find work that he did as well uh, when he was part of the Hope Street Steppers, a duo that released one of my favorite reggae albums. Uh, in 2013 it is called black lightning both of these albums are wonderful and i'm not saying that because he's one of my closest friends i'm saying that because dude's got skills and uh the world should know uh you can find me everywhere i want to be at infinite underscore rewind i do co-host a couple of other shows with friends um Jesse's and my mutual friend Caroline and I host Trivial Merit, a music podcast where we make playlists to, to move our headspace from a negative to a positive one. I also host a podcast about video games where three friends and I just talk about what we're playing. And most recently, I have been added to the roster of the Bald Gun Guy podcast, which is a replay of the modern Hitman trilogy. We are currently working on... Whittleton Creek. We have not set a recording date, but we have uh, the shows I've been a part of in this have been um, Mumbai and Santa Fortuna. Uh, but the show on the whole, uh, I was a fan before I was on it, and uh, I think it's a wonderful podcast. And I just hope I contribute positively. Maddie, once again, thank you for joining us. Once again, thank you for having me. <laughs> Jesse, always a pleasure. I don't know how we're supposed to end this one. And 
until next time, I'm just going to say it. Watch The Devils. Yeah, just watch it on an endless loop until you hear there's a new episode. <laughs>